Bible's in Matthew chapter 2. And uh, good to see you this morning on uh, Christmas Eve. Remain faithful to the Lord. And um, just thinking about the song that they sung there and the song that we sang as a congregation. You know, you think about the, the gifts that the wise men gave for the Lord Jesus. It all symbolized something. And really gold, if you look at it in the Word of God, is often related to suffering and trials and, and being refined. And certainly the Lord Jesus went through great suffering for us. And even as we celebrate and think about His birth, really we'd be amiss not to think about His mission. And that was to, to lay himself down and, uh, and pay the price for us and, and suffer a great deal for us. But I'm thankful for that song. Uh, Matthew chapter 2 this morning, we're going to uh, read quite a, quite a portion of Scripture here. But I think we understand that, that Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without Christ. And, you know, the, the, the Christmas that we know today with all its uh, commercial, uh, commercialization and secularization, uh, is not the, the Christmas that we see in the Word of God. Um, the, the Christmas that we see in the Word of God is really the time of Jesus' birth. It's when the Savior of the world was born. And as you read through the Christmas story, you can't help but uh, recognize the characters that surround the story and and then be, be really drawn to the fact that ultimately the focal point of the story was and is and should be still the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything about the story of Christmas points to the worship of this one born in due time. You think about the, 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 the announcement to Mary and to Joseph, even to Mary's cousin Elizabeth and, and John the Baptist, the, the shepherds that we learned about Last week, the wise men that we sort of uh, will speak about this morning who came years later, all of those characters point to the fact that they came to worship Jesus. Uh, but there is a character that I want to highlight today that was confronted with Christmas. Uh, this character is part of the narrative, but it is often o- overlooked in favor of those wise men that we've spoken about. And in Chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. There it is again. When Herod the king had heard of these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over there, over where the young child was. 
And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wrath and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard lamentation and weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. And often we don't think that we have a villain in the narrative of Christmas, but we do. His name is Herod. You see, Herod was suddenly confronted with Christmas. That is Christ with us. See, this time, it was meant to be a pivotal time in the history of man. When the Savior of earth was born. And then upon being confronted with the reality of Christ, the one born to be Savior and King, Herod responded in a way that produced one of the most heinous of crimes. The real him came out, and he was not happy. You see, I don't think this day many people mind the idea of the modern Christmas. I don't think any one of us here would, would observe in our time that, that people would be complaining about the gifts, that people would be complaining about all the goodies that you get to eat. But to recognize its real meaning can really bring the worst in people. You see, all year round, as, uh, as uh, the general public just go along happily ignoring the reality of God, they're suddenly confronted in this season with the reality of a Savior that was born. And, you know, all of us here today as Christians, I, I, I hope that that's what we, we are mindful of. I hope that we don't approach this season, and we understand that, that from a historical point of view, uh, December 25 most probably wasn't the date that Christ was born. Nonetheless, we, we, we observe this time and we think about this time. I think that, that as we go about, we're starting to recognize more and more Less and less people who recognize the real meaning of Christmas. You know, I've been around the shops uh, through the week, as uh, many of you probably have. and um, I, I, I like to just make it a point to say Merry Christmas with a big smile on my face. And I used to work retail, and so I, I understand how the retail uh, workers feel. They're, they're working long hours. They're often dealing with, uh, with customers that are grumpy because they, you can't get their size in that color and all of that. But I've noticed more and more that, that less and less people are responding in kind and saying Merry Christmas as well. You notice that? You're sort of going around and, and it, it ought to all, 
all be about the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, when you even mention a simple greeting like Merry Christmas, many people don't respond in kind anymore. No doubt, if you were reading the papers this week, you would have seen an article about some, uh, some uh, uh, members of parliament who had a banner, and, and um, there was a photo of it in the newspaper, who had a banner that, that said Merry Christmas, but they crossed out Christmas, and instead they wrote non-denominational seasonal festivity. <laughs> and that's the time we live in today. Um, and and we, we live in, in a time where even the uh, times when we're meant to focus on and think about uh, things of, of God and things of Christ, more and more He's being rubbed out of His own holiday. And at this time, there are those that are troubled by Christmas. There are those that want to rub out Christ in Christmas. There are those that want to make this time all about them. There are those that want to ruin Christmas for everyone else. You might ask yourself, why is that? When we think about the birth of Christ, really it confronts us with the reality of a Savior and a King. You see, the, the reason why Herod was so troubled when he was confronted with Christ, the reality of Him, he was troubled because suddenly he was confronted with another King, someone who would be greater than he. And, and when we think about the birth of Christ, really it confronts us with the reality of a Savior and a king. You see, it was his mission to come to seek and to save that which was lost. And I just want to say here in the introduction that if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you that this season, the very reason for it is because he came to seek and to save you. He came to willingly, to willingly put on this robe of flesh and live on this earth to prove that He can overcome the law, that He could live perfectly, and He could be a perfect sacrifice on the cross for you and I. And so it was His mission to come to seek and to save that which was lost. His birth was all about His mission to save lost sinners by taking their place ultimately on the cross. But it also confronts us with the reality of His position as King of Kings. See, it made this incarnation of Christ so meaningful. This was very God come in the very flesh, in the very flesh of humanity. The king had put on a robe of, of flesh, birthed in the manger, so that he could be the king of our hearts and our lives. And as king, the Lord Jesus, he has, he has the sovereign right to reign over us. So in that babe that lay in the manger, Really, the whole world revolved and His power and His might, His position meant that we were suddenly, suddenly accountable to one, answerable to Him. So again, being confronted with this, Herod responded in hardness of heart. But let me just tell you that we may also in our own way do so. And so this morning, I just want to uh, preach this message on being confronted with Christmas. And we're going to learn how to avoid this this Christmas season. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless the time. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. And, and Lord, no doubt we've had a, a busy week trying to finish off at work. Lord, we're looking forward to just having some R&R &R and, and just, just maybe spending some, uh, some quality time with our family. But in all of it, dear God, we can, we can at times, Lord, miss the meaning. And even beyond that, be troubled by it and be, be bothered by it. 
I pray, dear God, that you'd help us as Christians this morning, as your church, to, to, not, um, to not take you for granted, to, to have the, the uh, sincerity and a reality of worship towards you. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us even as we open your word this morning to learn some lessons that we can take away that'll help us, Lord God, to, to Lord, in our hearts, to really embrace the, the meaning of your birth and the reason why you came. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning as we open your word in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And, and so the first lesson that we learn here in, in, and the thing that we need to avoid is this. Herod was troubled. Herod was troubled by one greater than he. He was troubled by one greater than he. Notice here in verse 2, he says this, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And we know that the wise men, they traveled from the east. And, and traditionally, if you would uh, believe the, uh, the nativity scenes and, and you believe some of the storybooks that are published uh, and even in, in some of the carols that are sung, uh, we, we traditionally believe that there were three kings. Uh, evidently, if you look at this, that there was probably more than that. We probably assume that there were three because there were three gifts given. But you understand that when they, they came, they came seeking for one that is born king of the Jews. They, they were seeking for one who was greater than they. And, and suddenly, Herod, who was the, uh, who was the, the, the monarch presiding over the, the region of Judah, suddenly he was confronted with someone who was above him. You see, Herod was, was in control. He was the one who was the center of attention. In verse 3, he says, When Herod the king had heard these things, and it wasn't so much that a baby was born, it was that this baby was born king of the Jews. Now, in, in Herod's estimation, that was him. He was the one presiding over that region. He was the one that was sitting on that throne. And, and suddenly, he was troubled by and he was confronted by Christmas. Because one was born that was greater than he. See, Herod was used uh, to him being the center of attention. He was then confronted with the thought that he would have to give up the limelight for this king that others were seeking. If you know a little bit about Herod, he, Julius Caesar made his father, uh, uh, Herod's father, uh, 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 the procurator of Ju Judea. He divided his territories before, uh, between his four sons. And Galilee, this area particularly, fell to the lot of Herod, who was afterwards then appointed Tetrarch of Judea by the emperor Mark Antony. And so he was, he was, a, he was the earthly uh, ruler of that area. It's said of Herod that he was brutish and a stranger to all humanity. He was, a, he was fond of splendor and lavished great sums in rebuilding and adorning the cities of his empire. He was used to getting all of the attention. He was used to getting all of the gifts. He was used to getting all of the accolades. And suddenly, this one that is greater than he comes along, and others are seeking for him. And you know, Christmas isn't meant to trouble us. It's meant to be a time when we rejoice in one who took our troubles. And yet we see here that, that as, as Herod thought of these, uh, this situation, he was troubled. It says, the Bible says, and all Jerusalem with him. And Christmas is, is meant to be a time when we're confronted with the reality that we couldn't save ourselves and we aren't the kings of our domain. Another king has come and, and the rightful king has come. Jesus had to come to save us 
and be our Lord. And, and I think there's some reasons why we can be troubled like Herod. Firstly, we don't want to give up our throne. You see, when we're confronted with the reality of Christmas, of, of Christ coming to take His rightful place, then sometimes we're troubled because really the reality is this, then He has to be on the throne. You know, we don't want to give up our throne. The fact is Herod was on the throne that Jesus was meant to be on. You know, we can't take the throne of our life and then not want to give it up. When Jesus came, uh, comes onto the scene and He becomes your Savior, the throne of your life is no longer yours. And this Christmas, you might be thinking about all of your plans and all of your goals and, and perhaps uh, even in your own mind, you are the center of attention in, in all of what's happening in, uh, around your life. But let me tell you, if you're saved here, that the Lord Jesus ought to be the one that's on the throne of your heart. And at this Christmas, it, uh, sometimes it's a time where we're again confronted that a king was born. Look at 1 Timothy 1.15. Look at 1 Timothy 1.15. And we'll read down to verse 17. It says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This is the Apostle Paul. He's looking at his own life and he's saying, you know, Jesus came to save sinners. And, and let me just echo that this morning, that, that the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That makes us all sinners. But the good news is this, Jesus Christ came to save sinners. He came to save you and I. And he's saying here, of whom I am chief. And then he says in verse 16, how be it for this cause I obtain mercy. That in me first Jesus Christ might show, might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. And, and the great thing is this, as we consider the fact that the Lord Jesus came, is that He came to seek and to save that which was lost, and He came to give you and I eternal life. Uh, when you're saved, when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you turn to Him for your salvation and no one else, then He promises you eternal life. But notice verse 17. Now unto the King eternal. Because of the fact that Jesus came to be Savior, He was also King eternal. Immortal. Invisible. The only wise God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Something miraculous happens at, at the point of salvation. We, we, we have a sovereign King. We have someone to look to. He's the only wise God. And He becomes the one that we ought to serve. All glory that, that, uh, that we often would seek for would suddenly be transferred to Him, the one who saved us, who's now our King. See, we don't want to give up our throne sometimes though. And Christmas, sometimes when we're confronted with the reality that a King was born, we have to also look at ourselves and go, who's the King of my life? Is, is, he, is he the one? And, you know, we, we don't often recognize Jesus' rightful place. You know, what Christmas has turned more and more into, it's turned more and more into a, it's just become a free-for-all for self. We want what we want. We must get that particular thing in that particular color. And we're hoping that someone gives us that thing. And it's become, a, it's become an exercise in materialism. And if we don't recognize this time, Jesus' is rightful place. See, the reality of Christmas means that the rightful owner 
was now taking residence. In, the, in God's program, in His first advent, He was going to come to be the Savior. But we know ultimately, and as He returns, He's going to be the King, right? He's going to become, he's, he's going to become as ruler of all. You know, at the moment, we're renting. And, and we're, we're renting and we're there and, and we enjoy the place. But you know, when the, if the owner wants to, he can reclaim his property anytime. And we have to vacate. And, and you know, there's times where, where th- there's areas in our life that we don't allow the Lord Jesus to touch, but he's the rightful owner. He's the one that has the right to tell us what to do. He's the one that has the right to show us what, what is to be expected. And here, Herod was confronted with the truth that there was one greater than he. And when Jesus arrived onto the scene, the reality is this, that we face yielding ourselves to the rightful owner. And I hope this Christmas you're not troubled by that. I hope this Christmas that it would be a time that you would indeed surrender your life over to Him. Secondly, we note here, note that that we as, uh, as God's people, uh, we note here a lesson from, uh, from Herod that not only was he troubled by one greater than he, he feigned his worship toward God. And notice verses 7 to 8. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 2 again. And notice what happened. Herod hears about this. He, he inquires of the wise men in his, in his kingdom. They tell him they're going to go to, he's going to be born in Bethlehem this Uh, this king, the Lord Jesus. And he says in verse 7, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, he concocts a plan. Inquire of them diligently that what time the star appeared. And he he sent them to Bethlehem and said, notice what he says, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Now, for many of us who are familiar with the Christmas story and the scriptures here, we know that Herod wasn't being true to his word here, was he? He was saying these things uh, uh, as if to get the, the, these wise men on his side, trying to, to figure out a way where he can, he can do in this other king, this competing one who was, gonna, who, who, who was fearful that it would take his own throne. And he really, he, what he was doing, he was feigning worship. He was faking it. Herod had a pretense of worship. And in all actuality, he was just in it for himself. And let me tell you, many in this time will have a pretense of following Christ. Uh, there's going to be those, uh, those um, uh, artists, music artists, who, who throughout the, the course of their career, throughout the course of the year, uh, sing blasphemous words, sing words that are, 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 are grievous to uh, to anyone and grievous particularly to God and yet at this time suddenly they'll come out with a Christmas album and suddenly the, the great carols that even sometimes we sing they sing also and suddenly they're just in it for uh, they're, they're into Christmas they're into this time where and they're singing about Jesus but all of it is really this it's a pretense of worship you understand they're, they're there to sell records they're there to to gather some uh, some profit they're taking advantage of the time. And, and, and many will be like that. Many will, will uh, come along and, and suddenly they'll come to, uh, to church. They'll want to feel like they want to be part of, 
worship. They want to be, uh, they, they suddenly will say uh, even at times Merry Christmas, but never really mean it, never really understand that it's all about Jesus. And really what it is, it's this, it's feigned worship. It's feigned, it's fake. Many will, will attend services and, and their mind will be on the following day. Their mind will be on the lunches. They'll sing songs like we did this morning. And, and you might be singing these great carols and never, ever, ever even entering into your mind that you're singing about and you're singing to the God of heaven born on this earth. Feigned worship. You'll be thinking about how crowded the shops will be this afternoon. You'll be thinking about what the weather will be like tomorrow. You'll be thinking about, boy, uh, this, this Christmas has just been so hectic. What is going on? And, and all of it, you're going through as if by rote, as if by mechanism, this thing of worship. But you understand, God's not just into the mechanics of it. God's in the motive of it. You know, we might be here this morning. And we might even go home and it might even be your tradition that you will read the Christmas story with your children. But is your worship real? Is your worship sincere? Is it sincere in your motive or are you just out for yourself? See, notice two ways here that we can be insincere or we can feign worship this season. We can be feigning in our heart to seek Christ. See, that's what Herod was doing. He was pretending to seek Christ. He was saying he wanted to seek Christ, but really, he just wanted his way. And you know, it's funny, sometimes we, we treat Jesus at this time like he's a Santa Claus. Like if we would just suddenly get right with him, maybe we will get that thing that we really, really want. <laughs> and we can't we can have a mentality that way, and sadly, what that is, is just insincerity. What that is, is just feigned worship. I think about the scripture, turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, and he, he said the, these to religious people. He accused this to religious people of the day. But if we're not careful, we could do the same. We, we know it's right to attend church. We know that, that it's right to, to, um, to focus on a little bit on, uh, on who, who we ought to be. But, you know, sometimes we can do that out of pretense. In Matthew chapter 15, look at verse 7. He's, he's referring to religious people here. He says, ye hypocrites. Those are pretty harsh words. He says, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips. But notice this, but their heart is far from me. And sadly, as, as Christians, we can buy into this season, but we can buy into it in the modern sense. We're going in and we're writing the cards. We're going and we're, we're braving the shops. And, I, and I'm not against that. I, I hope that, that you do, uh, you do th think of others and you do want to bless others. I hope that that's in your mentality. I'm not saying that all of those necessarily are wrong. But if all of it, if, if your worship is fitting into the rest of what Christmas is ideally in our day, then what you're doing is this, there's insincerity about your seeking Christ. If those things, if the things of God don't, aren't priority in our time, then you have an insincerity. You're just doing it out of duty. You're just doing it because 
Maybe you feel bad. And he's saying here that he sees their actions. He sees that they're honoring him with their, uh, they're, they're saying things in, with their mouth. They're honoring him with, his lip, with their lips. But he knows, and we know this, man might look at the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And God sees our heart this morning. God sees our heart if we're singing truly to Him. God sees our heart when we, when we greet someone and we, uh, we mean it or not. God sees our heart when we're, we're, when we're here at church and we're singing the songs of, of glory, singing the songs about Christ and we don't mean a word of it. God knows when we're opening the Word of God out of duty rather than delight, rather than passion for Him. God knows our heart. And if we do the things outwardly without any heart, then God's not into that. If we're not careful, Jesus can become an empty tradition, not the center of our joy and attention. It can be a time, this Christmas time, when our worship is a very distant second to our wishes. It can be a time when we don't give Jesus the priority He deserves whilst we prioritize our leisure and our fun. And so we see in Herod that he feigned his worship toward God. He was insincere in his motive to worship. He had a motive that was selfish. And again, during this time when we want to get what we wish for, we can treat Jesus like Santa Claus. So we could get onto the nice list, perhaps. And you know, Herod said these things only so that he could get his way. And God sees our motives. He knows when our actions don't match our hearts. See, God isn't looking for empty worship. Don't give Him empty worship. Don't give Him worship that's like the baubles that we put on our trees. They look nice on the outside, but they're hollow in the inside. He seeks those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth, not for profit or gain. And so... He was troubled because really he, he, he feigned his worship. But then lastly, notice verses 16 to 18. And you know the story here, we read it. Um, God knowing all things, he, he warns the, the wise men to detour, not to go back to Herod. They didn't know any better uh, previously to that. They, they thought Herod must have been a good guy. I mean, he was saying the right things. And so now God warns him. He says, Go around, go back to your place, don't go past Herod. Um, and then he tells Joseph and Mary, go to Egypt, uh, go, go and hide away for a little while. And then notice verse 16, having found that the wise men didn't come back. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, notice this was exceeding wrath, he was very angry. And sent forth, and notice it, and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. He was very wroth. And lastly, he was troubled because he, he was angered that he didn't get his way. He didn't get his way. See, Herod's plan was to kill Jesus. But it didn't, it didn't eventuate. And you know what he did? He lashed out. And many people in this season, they can lash out and become angry. I was at the shops this morning. Uh, I was up early and, and I went across to, to grab something really quickly. No, it wasn't my wife's present, all right? Um, I just went across uh, early and, and there was a huge line already at the fish market. 
just an absolutely huge line. And, uh, you know, I was sort of, sort of uh, feeling sorry for them. It was already, it was, this was around 7.30 in the morning. It was, it was already hot, right? It's hot right now, but it was hot at 7.30. And they're lining up there, and they're, they're right out the door. It was probably about a 100-meter uh, line. It was so many people. And I'm just walking past them thinking, well, I don't love prawns that much. You know? <laughs> and they're, they're, I'm walking past them, got my thing, and I was walking back. And finally, this lady uh, who thought, oh, maybe I should go to Woolworths first. So she went to Woolworths first. So she had a trolley full. And she was trying to figure out where the line ended, where she can line up. And she had inadvertently lined up where, where it was really, really right at the front of the queue. And people started abusing her. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Merry Christmas to you too. And they started and they were lashing out and, and they were frustrated that there was such a long line. They woke up so early today. And then they were confronted with this. <laughs> and they were angered. Why? Because their plans were torpedoed. <laughs> their plans that didn't eventuate. It's like children who don't get what they, don't get the present they expected. It's like the, the, the parents that are rushing to the shopping center and they don't get that parking spot that they were envisioning. The thing's not going to plan. You know what that is? It's just childish. You know, many become the most discontent in this time of the year. And we sometimes forget because of the, the rush and the, we forget that God is in control. That God is good. And we're busy trying to get our year done. And we're busy trying to make our plans work. And we're busy trying to think about how next year is going to be. But really, in this time, sadly in our modern day Christmas, it's just about self. Selfishness really breeds discontent. And discontent people can hurt and blame others. And yet we need to be content and acknowledge Jesus' presence and planning in our lives. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 6.8, and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. And I'm thankful, and I hope that we're thankful that, you know, as we head home, we have food and raiment. In Hebrews 13.5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, a great reason to be content is this. If you're saved, his presence is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we may not get the, we may get the wrong colored tie. <laughs> we may not get the socks that we always wanted. Hey, dads. But, you know, we ought to be content in Christ. Now, I wonder if you're content just content and at peace with the fact that even though you don't have everything you want, even though not everything has gone to plan, even though there just seems to be just a hurdle and, a, and trouble and all of that, that that sometimes we just want to forget about, I hope that we're just content and at peace with the fact that we have Jesus Christ. You see, increasingly in an entitlement society, we need to learn to be content. Increasingly in a time where we just think that our plan should just go our way, we need to just rest assured that God is in control. 
that God knows what's best. You see, Herod was angered that things didn't go his way. You know, too often we're spoiled and think we're entitled to anything we want in whatever way we've planned. We then lash out at those around us and we become someone that's hurtful. This Christmas, think of what we can be thankful for. We have Jesus Christ. We have, we have a Savior. And what I'm saying is this, don't be Herod this Christmas. Right? Give Jesus His rightful place, the throne of your heart. Seek Jesus with all your heart. And be sincere in your worship. Don't allow discontentment to creep in. You know what? Let us instead be like the wise men. Okay, they went out of their way when they heard about the king to come. And so what they did was they, instead of being, instead of feeling threatened, they came to seek him. And you know, this time of Christmas, it ought to be a time where we seek Christ. It ought to be a time where we're seeking for him. They, they made Christ the focus of their worship. When they got there, they, they rejoiced, and they rejoiced in this one. They, they rejoiced also in God's plan for their lives and surrendered their own to be, to, to, to be changed, to, to be given this blessing. And you think about the, the, the time here where they were warned of God. They had, to make, they had to make changes. They had to detour. But you know, all of it, they, they just understood that God was in control. And you understand that, that we need to be more like the wise men than Herod. Let's ensure that as we're confronted once again with the reality of Jesus, that we give Him first place. Right? That we make Him the focus of our worship and our celebration. And we do so with sincerity from our hearts to Him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before You and we thank You, dear God. Lord, just for the, this, this time where we can just think about you. And, and Lord, really every day as you give us the, your mercy, your grace that's renewed every morning, really ought to be a time where we just are, are focused on you, thinking about your grace and your blessing upon our lives and thinking about your, your character of sacrifice, of love. And Father, we just thank you, dear God, that you're a God who's sovereign. And Lord, we just uh, at this time ask that you would just help us. Lord, perhaps um, what we've characterized in Herod, we've seen in our own lives this, this Christmas season. Perhaps not even just this particular season, but this year. Help us, dear Lord, as we enter into the new year. And as we spend the last few days of this year to readjust and to get recalibrated and refocused on, on our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, dear God, that you'd help each and every one of us to surrender our own place and allow and may ensure that the Lord Jesus is the one on the, the throne of our hearts. That you'd help us, dear God, to not be angered by changes of plans, but, Lord, to be at peace knowing that you're in control. Help us, dear Lord, as we head into this time not to think of self but to think of you and to think of others. And Lord, to, to be kind and to show, Lord, in this time, 
Lord, the true meaning of Christmas, and that is Christ. So I pray that you'd help us this morning. As the piano begins to play, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I'm going to ask, firstly, as we have this time of invitation, it's just our custom here that we have this time of response. I want to ask, firstly, if you were here this morning, whether you're a member of our church or you're a regular attendee or a guest this morning, I want to ask you, if you were to die today, would you know that Jesus is your Savior? Would you know that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home? The Bible tells us that these things are written that we might know that we have eternal life. The Bible tells us that this season is about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, being born. And the reason we need to be saved is because we can't save ourselves. See, the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And maybe you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you're a good person. I'm simply asking, was there a time where you trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Is there anyone here this morning just with an uplifted hand? I, just, I won't embarrass you. I'll just pray for you. Anyone here this morning? I'm not sure. I've never, I've never trusted Jesus as my Savior. Anyone at all? Anyone this morning? Then I want to address you, Christian. Is Jesus on the throne? Is your Savior your King? Is He in His rightful place? Have you surrendered your plans to Him? Have you made Him your priority in your life? And I want to challenge you this, this morning to... Allow the Spirit of God to examine your heart and allow Him to, to perhaps make a correction there. And May you be humble enough to just allow Him to, uh, to speak to you and then to respond in kind. Is there anyone this morning? Pastor, I'm, the Lord spoke to my heart. There's some things there that you characterize in the Scriptures that if I'm honest, it's me. Is there anyone this morning? Just with an uplifted hand, I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone at all? Anyone else this morning? Pastor, just pray for me. I, I just want to make sure that, that this season, as I head into the new year, I want God to be the number one in my life. I want Him to have rule over me. Anyone else this morning? See that hand. Thank you. See that hand. Anyone else? Pastor, I want to surrender my plans. There's some things that, that have changed. I just want to surrender to Him. Anyone this morning? See that hand. Thank you. All right, let's all stand to our feet, no one looking around. I want to encourage you, if you raise your hand, even if you didn't, why don't you just come to a place of, of prayer and commitment to the Lord this morning as a piano plays. If you raise your hand, why don't you come to an altar? God's speaking to you. Why don't you come to this place and just uh, spend some time with Him as a piano plays.